0: You're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I'm joined today by Zaid Dahaj, the author of Mental Mastery. Uh, it talks pretty much about how to overcome limiting beliefs without suffering more than you actually have to. So, Zaid, thank you for coming on, brother
1: course, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be on here. I'm definitely looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, I've seen a lot of your work. Uh, I've previewed some of the things you've put up, and you and I seem to have maybe the, the same idea of overcoming one's own limiting beliefs, because it's kind of like that old Henry Ford saying, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Mm. And I think a lot of people kind of get caught up in the the self-doubt cycle where they just never try to do anything because they're too afraid of being right about their own self-doubts
1: yeah, yeah. i mean when it comes to self-doubt i we all struggle with it uh, it's something that it's something that creeps up on you i think from childhood you know whether it be from the input of society parents um friends so it's it's certainly something that flies under the radar, and uh, that that makes it even even more scary because um, most people don't notice how it's ruining their lives.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you you I guess you can say you kind of get programmed to think a certain way and to feel a certain way about what you're capable of based off of other people's interpretations or expectations of themselves. Mm. You know they kind of project that onto you. Well, I failed, so there's no way you'll you'll succeed. And if you experience that as a young kid, you're definitely going to believe that.
1: Oh yeah, and it's it's also it's the one thing about limiting beliefs is that as I mentioned, they fly under the radar. They they work within the subconscious, and um, I think a lot of a lot of the reason why people develop this victim mentality is because they don't understand that they are being driven by those limiting beliefs and they don't know how to replace them with positive ones. Uh, so it's something that I'm, I'm currently working on. Um, I have, I have quite a few limiting beliefs that I'm still trying to tackle, uh, but it, it's a process. It's the process of awareness, discovering uh, newer perspectives and then taking action.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. Um, A lot of people think that, you know, we all have it all figured out, but I've still got limiting beliefs that I struggle with. And it's like you said, it's a process and you take it one little step at a time and go, okay, well I may or may not, but I, I'm just going to give it all I got. But it takes a, it takes a certain mindset to say I'm going to give it all I got even though you're afraid. And it's not so much as a, a moral courage or a physical courage. Mm. It's, you have to be comfortable with the you know with failure being an option yeah you know and i think the only way people can really do that at least what i did was i just tried to mitigate the downside as much as possible Mm -hmm. to where what whatever the downside was i would be okay if that occurred Mm, you you made peace with it yeah I I knew if I, for example, starting my own company, I knew if I went all in, balls to the wall, you know, hair on fire, screaming, um, and I failed, I would send my family into ruin. You know, been down that road before and it wasn't fun. But I mitigated the downsides to where if I failed, the consequences of that failure wouldn't be as severe Mm. And so I made the downside something I could live with. Is that something that you teach? Uh, just about
1: mitigating, uh, mitigating risk in general?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I would say I'm not, I don't view my life necessarily from mitigating risk. I just try to, um, I just try to look for the opportunity that makes the most sense uh, that blends in the best with my own skill set, my own set of strengths, and then from there it's it's mainly just about taking wise actions so it's I guess I do live from a from a framework of risk minimization, but uh, it's not like consciously thought of. I just want to make good decisions and uh, try to avoid you know the the terrible decisions as mu- as much as possible. It comes down to the habits for me
0: okay. So what got you into wanting to teach other people uh, to basically combat their limiting beliefs and reach a whole new side of themselves they didn't think was possible? What brought you to that point where you felt like, you know, I've done this, it's worked for me, I can see that it's a problem? Because I'm I'm assuming that you saw that it was a widespread problem that you could attack uh, and help a lot of people. So what brought you to that?
1: there there have been there've been a few limiting beliefs that have stopped me from uh, being able to do what i desire so for for example i'm very uh, i'm going on 19 years of playing soccer I, my goal is to play professionally but i've seen how you know a limiting belief that involves doubt creeps up within my own game um, and how that can potentially ruin everything that i've worked for so I mainly came to it because I saw it within myself. I saw it within my own family, uh, saw it within my own friends. And it w- it was an opportunity to help people, to help people uh, discover a new perspective and, you know, unwire those nasty little little bundles of, um, of disempowering thoughts, I guess. So, I, of course, it's a, it's a problem that we all struggle with. And, you know, I just I felt the need to... Uh, to come in and and try to tackle that problem.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you see that all the time. Um, one of the things that comes to mind is that crabs in a bucket mentality. You Mm -hmm. know, if you start doing, you start doing a little better than your peers and then, uh, because of their own failings or their own, uh, self-imposed inadequacies, uh, as you could say, they, they tend to, push on you that same kind of mindset and try to drag you back down with them because they don't want to see you elevated. It is really easy to get sucked into that. You know, if you don't have a strong sense of who you are and what you're capable of, it's really easy to get sucked right down into believing the limitations that other people are imposing on you and start to believe them as your own.
1: Mm, without a doubt. And then also I think another important thing for people to understand is the importance of environment. So over the, I recently, it was last month, I joined um, a gym with a, with a new buddy from soccer. I hired, hired a personal trainer. And he's the, my friend is the type of person who wants to like push himself to the to the max. I mean, he wants to go on a bike ride across all of North America very soon within the next couple of months. So I think if people can surround themselves with those types of individuals that will push them. Uh, Past what they think is capable, what they think they're capable of, then I think that, that is a big, uh, that's a big helping hand in the process of, you know, unwiring those limiting beliefs.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, they say that, and I hate using a bunch of cliches, but you know, they say that you are the, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time around. So I, I would assume to go what, uh, you're getting at there is if you're around a bunch of you know debbie downer type people you're going to become one and if you're around people like your friend you just mentioned who are just willing to push that envelope you know you're going to be one of two things you're going to be inspired to do the same Mm -hmm. or if you've just got this which I, I'm assuming is what you you work on with people. Uh, mm-hmm. is, I could never do that. I don't see how he does it, but I will never be a tenth of that kind of attitude.
1: Yeah,
0: you know, there's there's that other uh, side of the coin when you see people like that. But you know, attitudes are contagious. At least I think so. Mm. You know, if you're around if you're around a lot of people who are willing to push themselves and step up and level up and and push you to do the same, yeah. it's kind of hard not to start feeling that way.
1: You can either be an ass kicker in life or you can be a victim. And if you want to be an ass kicker, then you have to surround yourself with other ass kickers. And the, you know, the same applies to, to the victim mindset. So it's, it's all about the choices we make, especially when it comes to the people we surround ourselves with. If you neglect, that- if, if somebody neglects that, then, you know, everything in their life is, is going to go down the drain.
0: Yeah. Um, is that something you struggled with, finding the right people to surround yourself with?
1: Oh, definitely. I, from an early age, I think starting from high school, I've always wanted to surround myself with people who, um, who I took inspiration from and who, who, whom I admired. Um, that was that's certainly a process I, I didn't find. I'm not sure if it's hard or not to find good people. I'm curious as to what you think about that. Um, but over time, you know i've found a couple of people who are really lifelong comrades but i 'm curious to think what you to see what you think about that
0: well I guess it 's a yes mm-hmm. because that and then, it's a all, and then it's and then it 's also a no <laughs> at the same time you know it really it, it, you know it kind of depends on like you said, where you come from. And I don't mean that geographically. I mean, more of a, uh, the type of environment you grew up in, because if you grew up in an environment full of people that have never really been achievers or just the get after it mentality kind of thing, they're just content to coast by in their own mediocrity. And all they give a shit about is just, just getting by. Yeah you're going to start seeing that as the norm Mm. and you're going to start maybe associating yourself with more people like that. So if that's where you came from, it's going to be a lot harder to know what you're looking for when you're seeking out the kind of people that are the corollary to that Mm. and are the ones who were just, these dudes do not stop. They're relentless because I did that. Yeah. Uh, that, that was my biggest struggle. The, the group of friends and the circle of good men that I have around me now that have been where I've been and are now doing light years better than I am. Yeah. And I see that attitude and, and I get into a group and I realize there's a ton of them. Hmm. You know, it's like, holy crap, where have you guys been my entire life? Because I've never met any guys like you before. And it's because of the environment that I grew up in. Everybody was just kind of content to get by and keep their head down, don't make waves, and don't rock the boat. Yeah. But, but if you come from an, an environment where that's the norm, I think it's harder to find people who are the opposite of that. If you come from an environment where people are constantly pushing and striving, mm. that's going to be what you see as the norm. And what you see as the norm is going to be what you gravitate to naturally and people who are gravitated to you. And so it's going to be a lot harder to find those people who were just content in their own mediocrity. I mean, they still exist, but you're not going to notice it. I don't think you're going to notice it as readily as you would with, oh, yeah, that guy's like me. Oh, yeah, that's a normie right there. The guy who just went all in and cashed in his 401k to start a business. Yeah, that's a a normie.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's – it's um. It's crazy because limiting beliefs also, like you can have a limiting belief. So for example, with, with finding good people, you can have a limiting belief about belief systems from a larger perspective. So you may not think there's, there are any good people out there. So you won't do any searching. you like you said, you'll just stick with the same old people that you've been around all of your life. Um, you won't make an effort to explore explore the, uh, the boundaries or, or, push past the comfort zone. Um, So limiting beliefs take place on multiple levels. And that's, that's something that a lot of people fall into uh, as a major trap.
0: Yes. So let's say I just come across you and I'm dealing with severe limiting beliefs and self doubt. Mm -hmm. What would you, what would you do to, as other than tell me to buy your book, <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> what would you? What, you're right? Uh, what would you do? Uh, and what should someone in that situation do? To you know, I'm talking from the starting point. Mm. What should someone like that start doing? Because a lot of people are going to be listening to this, and a lot of people are probably going to be sitting in that very position of. Yeah, but you guys had it easy or yeah, you guys got lucky. And yeah, some of it's not innate talent and a lot of it comes down to luck. And mm-hmm. yeah, there's two different kinds of luck. There's when opportunity meets preparedness and then there's just the out of the friggin' blue luck that just falls into your lap. But that it doesn't have to always just be that way and that's not the that that is the exception to the rule. Anybody can do this. But it takes, like you said, an entire process of getting to that point. So what would someone who's going to be listening to this right now, who's sitting there going, yeah, I've got limiting beliefs, but I mean, it's true because I can't do this and I don't know how to do this and I've never seen this. Mm-hmm. How would they get start that process of overcoming those beliefs?
1: So I'm a firm believer that the first step to making a positive change, especially when it comes to... The- to, to the things like the beliefs that um, work below your conscious uh, radar, I think the first step is awareness. You have to become aware of what is holding you back, why it's holding you back. And then from that point forward, it's just a constant process of bringing your awareness back to um, the obstacle and then refining your actions from there. So it's kind of, are you, do you have any experience with meditation?
0: uh not in a traditional sense but yes
1: yeah so i mean meditation is basically if you were to describe it to someone who's never done it it's sitting down and bringing your attention back from distraction to the subject of focus and you're doing that over and over again thousands of times Um, so if you want to you know, if someone's struggling with a limiting belief, they're going to have to become aware of it. And then they're going to have to keep coming back to it and seeing how it's, it plays out within their own lives. Like how, what, are, what actions are they taking based off of that belief? What are they thinking based off of it? Um, what kind of excuses do they create based off of it? All those types of things.
0: So a lot of people and myself included, you know, it just came to mind. Um, you have, yeah, you have a, uh, you, know, what, what, you know, we call it a limiting belief or self-doubt. Mm-hmm. How does one become aware of it? You know, you, the first step is to become aware of it, but how does one go about that? Because a lot of people, you know, like you said, it's below their conscious radar. Yeah. And I, th- I think I know what you mean by that. It's just one of those things that you're not truly aware of, but it's there. And it seems like it's just part of the normal everyday thought process that goes on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But how does one become aware of the fact that they have limiting beliefs and those beliefs are holding them back from what they're actually capable of?
1: I think people should look at the areas within their lives where they have the most dysfunction. Uh, So if your health is, is, is a disaster then that's a good indicator that you have some l- limiting beliefs about health. Uh, the same applies to finances, relationships, so on and so forth. But look at where look at where you're struggling, and from there you can then uncover. You can slowly uncover the um, underlying mechanics that are holding you back from getting better results. So I'm I'm a firm believer of looking at you know those dysfunctional areas.
0: Okay. Um, now are there prime areas that filter down into others? You know, for example, let's say you had, um, like health, wealth, uh, and relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Limited, are those maybe the top three, uh, areas that will have sub areas within them that people would have, if they become aware of it, let's say if they become aware it's in the relationship. Category, and then below that there's, you know, three to five subcategories, and then they, they figure out which one that is, and then maybe there's a two or three categories to that one. And is that kind of the process they need to go through to figure out exactly what it is?
1: It it can go that deep. Uh, You can you can analyze it from that perspective, but also you have to keep in mind that a lot of the limiting beliefs are going to be they're going to take place within multiple areas of your life. So if you have a victim mindset, that's going to show up in your health, in your relationships, your finances, um, your approach to purpose, everything. So that's, that's a good thing for people to understand because once they, once they understand that they think like a victim, then they can uh, see how that plays out within all the areas of their life. And then, you know, that's, that's where the process of awareness starts. And then, they can go go about uncovering that. But it, it it goes deep. The rabbit hole definitely goes deep.
0: Yeah, I would imagine. So, um, you know, the, the experience that I have with meditation is more of a ritualistic kind of thing. Mm. Um, it's, you know, every morning, every morning I get up early and I make sure I've got at least two hours of quiet time to myself. And it's usually involving me, some black coffee and my pipe and I go out there and I sit on the porch with my dog and I don't necessarily think about anything. It's just there. Yeah. It's more of an introspective kind of thing. And whatever kind of comes to mind is what I'll think about. But I, I don't try to think about the things that, you know, are on my daily or weekly to do list. Mm. You know, I, I don't, well, I gotta, I gotta get this work done. I gotta do this errand. I gotta pay this bill. You know, It's more of a, it's it's really hard to explain i i guess those who have experience with introspective meditation would understand mm-hmm. it and those who don't it's more of just free basically free forming your thought you just you're thinking about nothing and so something comes to mind while you're thinking about nothing you know i'm just in that moment concentrated on that moment and then usually you have an epiphany about something that was maybe underlying
1: yeah is it mainly just about soaking up the experience of the environment around you
0: yeah um yeah if we were to go outside right now all you would hear is nothing but birds and the river and it's it's a cacophony of nature uh it's a cacophony of the sounds of nature when I walk outside here so it's very peaceful but Just being in that moment, I, I think, has allowed me to glean a little bit more of what's going on internally. Mm. And I've solved a whole lot of problems thinking about nothing, just drinking coffee, smoking a pipe, and scratching my dog's head. <laughs> you know, isn't that beautiful? And just just you, in that moment. Because,
1: I, you know, a lot of people get wrapped up into this whole like, oh, you have to meditate a certain way. You have to do this, do that. You have to listen to that guru. Um, when meditation is basically, that's what that's what it is. You're just sitting down, soaking up the environment, um, allowing your, your mind to naturally calm down over a certain period of time. And then eventually you get hit with an insight or you think about something you've been struggling with in a different way. That's what meditation is all about.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, most people, when they hear meditation, they're they're thinking, you know, the hokey Eastern philosophy, you know, light a bunch of candles, sit cross-legged, you know, and chant. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fantastic way to kind of become aware of uh, exactly what's going on under the surface. Because the things that are going on under the surface, you, you can't think about them and you can't focus on them when you've got, you know, real and tangible tasks at hand that need to be done and accomplished. Yeah. But when you're just in that moment, like you said, and you're soaking in the environment and it it's almost like a spiritual kind of thing. And I'm not a very spiritual person, mm. but it's more like. The other side of your brain, your right side of your brain, the creative and the chaotic side, will kind of leak over into your your left brain. It's more linear and more logical mm. and you start to you start to kind of understand a little bit more about yourself and what's going on and It's very difficult to describe i'm not yeah I'm not an expert in that whatsoever.
1: It, you know, it really is hard to describe that kind of experience as somebody who is unwilling to sit down with themselves um, or or rejects, you know, all all forms of solitude. Um, I think a lot of people have a terrible relationship with themselves. Uh, and as a result, they don't want to sit alone with their thoughts, emotions, um, whatever else they may have to sit with. Uh, that's 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 another reason why i think meditation is is so important especially if you want to bust through through those glass ceilings um, because it's it gives you the chance to um, to unwire those uh yeah those limiting beliefs that just hold people back and I've, i've had quite a bit of experience with meditation starting from the age of 18 i've done it for around five and a half to six years so that's been that's been pivotal for me as well
0: yeah uh i'm relatively new to it uh i was the guy who i woke up with just enough time to get dressed and ready and then i'm out the door and i'm attacking the tasks that need to be done that day and then i come home and i just shut down everything you know not truly being in the moment. I'm like, okay, this is done, this is done, this is done, this is done. Now I can focus on this. But in allowing myself to have that time where I'm able to completely disconnect from every single priority out there yeah. and just be in that moment, I've I've overcome a lot of my own insecurities that way. And I've been able to kind of work out you know, what has been my own limiting beliefs, you know, especially, you know, starting a company when I have zero clue how to run a business whatsoever. Yeah. You know, and I just, like I said, I'm sitting there in that moment uh, and it's more of like an epiphany. Like I said earlier, it just kind of pops in there and you go, well, I guess I'll just do it because mm-hmm. the worst that can happen is it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not like it's some type of, you know, the heavens parted and the light <laughs> shined down on me and I heard the voice of God, this yeah. is okay. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. It was just like me going, fuck it. You know, I'll do it.
1: It gives you, I, I gives describe you it
0: upper.
1: as, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
0: I was saying, I, I describe it as just, I got a really bad case of the fuck it's one day and, whatever will be, will be. And I'm just going to, I'm going to accept what comes my way because there's only certain things I can control.
1: Mm. Yeah. It gives you the meditation, gives you the opportunity to bask in silence, which not many people do. Most people are, are, would rather run away from it instead of give themselves the opportunity to sit with it. And then from that point, once you sit with it, then, you know, new things start to pop up and you start to think about new ideas and uh that's that's where the process of change starts, I believe.
0: Yeah, I really like that term, bask in silence. I really like that. I've never heard it put that way before. But you know, earlier you said that a lot of people are afraid of any type of uh solitude. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that people are so afraid to just sit by themselves and be alone with their thoughts?
1: there are definitely a lot of things, um, that contribute to it. I mean, you know, distraction, uh, the fact that people aren't taught aren't taught how to manage their minds from an early age. Our school system doesn't teach that at all, which I think is asinine. It's ridiculous. Um, what else? And, uh, people, people have mismanaged their lives. So, so far to the extreme that, they cannot be with themselves. And you see that in, in what everybody does. They're either distracted. They want to do this. They want to go out. Um, they don't want to stay home and, you know, invest some time into themselves. It's, it's one of the worst problems that we're dealing with right now as a society.
0: You know, what comes to mind is, <clears throat> I guess, cabin fever, you know, when you're, you haven't gone out in a while. And you're starting to go crazy inside your own head. You're like, I just need to get out of this house. And I think every, I mean, everybody gets like that, but yeah, the constant need to be connected to something, you know, especially social media and 24 hour news outlets and just, it's just bright and flashy and bing, 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 look at me, buy me, read me, listen to me. It's very easy to go, well, I don't have time to think about how fucked up I am right now because they just dropped this uh you know latest outrage news story that I can kind of divert my inner aggression to and just be pissed off about that yeah. I, in an age full of just constant bombardment of distractions and noise, it's easy to see why some people won't even bother to intentionally take the time to just be quiet and like you said, bask in the silence.
1: Everybody is at war with distraction right now. It's, it's, and I don't know if it's gotten worse over the past few years. Um, but it's, it's certainly a, a problem that a lot of people need to deal with. And there's also, I also spoke about this on Twitter. I put out a tweet about like four or five months ago, but, I spoke about the difference between solitude and loneliness. So, somebody who doesn't have a good relationship with themselves, they will view alone time as lonely, as loneliness. But somebody who does, on the other hand, will view it as solitude. So that's a big mindset shift that I think a lot of people can can uh, think about and integrate uh, in regards to their love to their own lives? Do you approach, do you approach being alone as something positive or negative? That's a, that's a very important thing.
0: Yeah, that's a very, uh, it's a very important distinction. I think it's not something that I, I've ever considered, uh, loneliness versus isolation. I, I guess it's maybe because the word isolation or solitude, uh, Tends to, I guess, what we have uh, assumed to associate with it, like negative connotations.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, it is a word and, game.
0: And then, yeah, and there's the uh, there's the whole push right now for, and I'm I'm all for this because it's changed my life, for everyone to have a tribe that they are a part of. And i believe that's very important you know as humans we're you social creatures and we will die without human interaction literally and figuratively we'll die without human interaction but there needs to be some kind of a balance struck we have to be able to surround ourselves with people that are like-minded and goal-driven and you know purpose oriented but at the same time in order to function as a well-shaped cog in that machine mm. we have to have developed who we are as an individual otherwise we're not going to fit quite right with yeah. that group and we're kind of, we're going to be you know an unintentional outlier in that scenario mm.
1: otherwise you're you're kind of relying on the group as as an external crutch, because you haven't developed yourself yes. to the point where, yeah, where you where you can't do anything on your own. I've seen that a lot. Yeah,
0: it, you know, yeah, it's a lot kind of like you know the chains only as strong as the weakest link. Yet another cliche I've used here, mm. but if you know the purpose of a tribe is everybody pulls their own weight and the entire tribe can rely on each individual at a time should they need to. Like one member of that tribe should be able to pull the rest of the tribe. Just like the entire tribe should be able to pull the one individual. But if you're going into it and you haven't developed your own strengths and your own sense of purpose and uh, who you are as an individual and be able to come to terms, like you said, have a good relationship with yourself Mm. you're not useful at all to that tribe. And, and so you're basically, like you said, using that tribe as a crutch to carry you along so you don't have to... But there's going to there's come a time when you have to pull them and you're not able to.
1: Mm. And you become a liability. And sadly, most fucking yep. people are liabilities these days. A lot, of, a lot of people won't admit that, but what value do you bring to the table? What are you doing... To make other people's lives better, a lot of people don't have an answer for that.
0: Yeah, uh, I didn't have an answer for that for years. Yeah, you know, I was—I didn't have a relationship with myself, much less with other people. You know, I was in a single relationship with myself internally, yeah. and it was a, a very you know, abusive one to put it that way. I mean, I kicked the shit out of myself constantly for my mm-hmm. shortcomings and failures. And I wanted a group of friends, but I I had that kind of feeling, well, I'm not gonna be any, I'm gonna be a liability to them. I'm not gonna be useful to them. Mm. But, and it was a lot of work trying to develop a healthy relationship with yourself. But you've talked about that quite a bit already. How does one begin to do that? How do you start to have a decent relationship with yourself that becomes positive and productive that will allow you to become an asset to other people?
1: Mm. This is where, this is where I, I want to refer to the habits uh, that people have or the actions that they take Um, because you can, you can start the process of changing your limiting beliefs from the actual side of belief. Like you can, go into the mind and start to tinker around with things and replace things. But on the other hand, you can also change your beliefs and identity by changing your actions, what you do. And I think, I think that's the more accessible way for people. It's, it's much clearer instead of um, the internal process. So, you know, when it really comes down to it, what kind of habits are you engaging? in? Um, how can you change up your, your routine, um, to, to create a healthy identity as opposed to an unhealthy one. Um, I think, I think actions, your actions are the, are the way to changing your identity and then your beliefs. So, uh, I think, I think people need to take advantage of that. So for example, if you, if you go to bed at what, 3 AM every night consistently, try going to bed at ten thirty. See the difference. See, see how you feel. Um, these are very practical changes that people can make, but most people just don't bother with it. They don't see the, the power in it.
0: Yeah, I think that external changes have a greater bleeding effect on internal changes much more than internal changes have a bleeding effect on external changes. Yes. You know, you can change, you know, you can change your mindset internally and then begin to have that reflect who you are on the outside.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's almost like, it's almost like a fade till you make it kind of thing. Uh, you're not where you want to be, but you start acting like the person you want to be. I believe that external uh, external input has a much more uh, effect on how you think and perceive. Like if you start behaving like a CEO, you walk like a CEO, you talk like a CEO, you create this external identity of a CEO, you it's almost impossible. It's kind of like being a product of your environment. Like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. You present yourself on the outside as this person and we all have this self image and this self perception, but if you, but we're a lot more visible than we like to believe. If we look at and we see ourselves in the mirror and we go, that's, that looks like who I want to be. And you start, it's almost like putting on a suit. You stand up taller. You know, you Very stand up a straight yeah. your posture improves just, be, just, be, yeah, just because you put a suit on. You, you stand up, you know, you, I, I'm James fucking Bond, you know, <laughs> and you start to believe those things. You know, you start to believe those things. But to me, if I was trying to fix who I was simply from an internal perspective while perpetuating that external cycle of, you know, shitty habits, whether it be a shitty diet, a shitty morning and night routine, Shitty actions and responses to people. Mm. Not, I'm gonna think of myself as a hypocrite, maybe. Yeah, and it's not it's not going to stick. But if the inner me can see the outer me doing what the inner me thinks it should be doing, it's going to be a lot easier and and more effective to emulate that on the inside.
1: I I 100% agree, and and the interesting thing from my own experiences of the past two months, as I mentioned, I you know. my first real time hitting the gym and, and, you know, truly moving weights and learning the whole process of doing that. I'm, I'm a totally different person right now compared to two months ago. I've been hitting the gym Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the past two months. I've been learning a lot of new things, pushing new weight as, as I mentioned, and I can notice the subtle and not so subtle differences in how I'm living my life, the way I carry myself, uh, the way my body looks, how my body feels. That's, that's what people need to aspire to. It's like commit to the thing and then notice how it's having an impact on your life. And then from there, you'll, you'll become addicted to that feeling.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like stacking the small wins. Um, mm. You can change how you look a hell of a lot easier than uh, you can change how you feel. Yeah. You know, and for most guys, if their relationships are fucked up, their health is fucked up, and you know, their whole inner monologue is fucked up, it's hard to change those things. It's, it's harder it takes a long time to get in shape. Yeah. But if you start dressing, but if you start, you know, just as, as an example, you start dressing like you're in shape. You start mm-hmm. dressing like you have your shit together. That's a small win that changes the perception that you have of yourself. And like you said, you get addicted to that winning feeling. And so you start chasing the next win. It's, I can't remember who said it, but Mm -hmm. someone said it's harder to go from zero to, from zero to one than it is from one to five. But if you can get from zero to one and just get in motion with a small win of like you did. I'm, com- I'm committed to going to the gym and you start to get proud of yourself that you haven't missed workouts and you've remained consistent and you get that momentum going and you get addicted to that momentum and mm-hmm. that minute. Cause I mean, no one outside of you really cares if you're going to the gym three days a week.
1: Yeah.
0: But someone, for someone yeah. But for someone who hasn't been doing it, like if I don't work out, I'm, I'm this way, but if I start working out, I'm like, I'm a guy who actually works out. Holy shit. I'm a guy who goes to the gym. I'm a guy who's been consistent because a lot of people don't do that. and it's a it's an internal win that you get addicted to.
1: Yeah. And I, I also take pride in in doing things that the majority of other majority of people are not willing to do. that's That's one part of my identity that I'm very proud of because it's something that I had to develop it's like when you when other you know people my age 23 24 25 are partying I would much rather do some work at home and focus on myself maybe stretch stretch myself out um, you know ice recover do all the things that people are not willing to do so then in the future I can get ahead and get the things that others won't get
0: Yeah, that's also something that, you know, like I said, no one else cares, but you do. And you're, and this is about building a relationship with yourself and having a better uh, image of who you are, a better self image, and you know, you're not so much self esteem but self respect. Yeah. Like if you were the guy who goes out and parties and drinks, and then no one who's at the party drinking and hanging out gives a shit that you're not there but yeah. you have that small little win that you resisted the temptation and you resisted the urge to go out and be part of the crowd because you've got business to handle and you're handling that business while everybody else is just spinning their wheels. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with going out and hanging out, but of course, yeah. there is some, but there's something like you said, there's something about, doing something that no one else is doing that kind of gives you a little sense of like inner pride and personal power.
1: Mm.
0: You know, like I was a father, very, very young. Yeah. And I look around at people who were my age and, you know, they're going off to college and they're having keggers and they're just, you know, living the single life banging sorority girls left and right. And I was working on taking care of a family and that made me proud. Mm. It made me proud that other people my age aren't doing what I'm doing right now. They're too busy out there having fun and they've got no idea what the hell it's like to have to buckle down and have people to take care of. Now, yeah, of course I'm full of shit. There's other people who were doing that,
1: but in my own head
0: right then, but in my own head, I'm thinking I'm the only one in my age group doing this right now. You know, and, and that's, it, it gave me a, a sense of purpose.
1: And that's a testament to your to your maturity uh, at the time as well. It takes a lot of you know. You have to mature yourself relatively quickly if you want to take care of a family, especially. Um, but if you want to do all the other things as well, you're going to have to grow up real fast and I think um, one of the most important things that's happened to me is the death of my father at 18 because from then it was like listen it's time to nut up or shut up you, you're either going to stay um, to stay as you are as a little boy or you're going to learn how to become a man and, and provide for yourself as well as others around you so you know these are, these are important decisions that people have to make um, and if they don't make them then they have to deal with the consequences of their actions.
0: Yeah, and that's something you, we see right now is uh, a lot of people aren't willing to do. They're not willing to accept the consequences for their actions or their inaction for that matter. It's mm. There's always an excuse to be made, and there's always, uh, uh, like you said, with that victim mentality, it's someone else's fault.
1: Yeah. Whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's, you know... Uh, the Government, their parents put a put a name to it you know there there are a countless number of excuses anybody can come up with, and that's a that's a vicious trap that people fall into
0: oh yeah, I mean I think everybody's guilty of falling into it at some point, yeah, but yeah. there comes a, there, there comes a time i mean i 'm certainly guilty of that. I blamed everything. my dad died uh, before I was even in kindergarten. You know, and then I had the crap kicked out of me by a stepdad for the next seven, eight years. And then I was put up for adoption when I was 12. Yeah. And so every bad thing, every bad decision that happened to me, every shitty choice I made, you know, I said, I said it right there. It slipped happened to me. No, that I made happen. Mm. Uh, And ever, ever, everything I did. I blamed it. Well, this is how I was raised this way. And I never had anybody to da 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 da. I knew what was right and I knew what was wrong, yeah. but I used, you know, a shitty circumstance as a crutch, to kind of justify what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy, to, especially if you don't have, if you don't have to take responsibility for something. That's that's easy because it's ballsy as fuck. To go no, I was wrong. I fucked up that's ballsy. And like you said, it's, you got to nut up or shut up because the the blame game and blaming all of your problems on everybody else, you know, you're just going to spin your wheels. You're not going to go anywhere.
1: Yeah. You, your life is just going to become a shit show. Like you can either, you can either make the emotionally difficult decision right now and, uh, experience the benefits of that decision going forward, or you can make the easy decision and then suffer with the consequences. It's, um, but like you said, it's very easy to, to make that decision unconsciously. That's what, that's what a lot do, but I've done plenty of times.
0: Yeah. I mean, people who do that aren't, you know, they're not special in any way that the majority of people do that. Yeah. The majority of people make justifications, you know, well, oh, you ran that red lights or yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, the sun was in my eyes, and you know, no, just you ran the red light. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, but, you know, we do that with everything, and like I think, it, like you said, it comes with maturity. Even at any age, there's plenty of people who are older than me who lack maturity and the ability to accept their station in life is a yeah. product of the decisions they've made. You know, they they feel like they're a product of their environment when their environment is a product of what they've done.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard for the, you know, it's hard to get a bird's eye view of your own life and then see how all the little pieces connect, or, you know, how this decision informed that one and then that one informed the other. But that's where, you know, that's where I go back to the awareness, the habits, all of that, all of that good stuff. Because if you don't, if you don't resort to that, (laughs) life is not going to be a pretty experience.
0: I'll tell that. Yeah, that's for damn sure. You know, it's never too late to just fix your shit. I don't care if you're 80. You can fix your shit when you're 80. and spend the last five, six years, you know, stress-free.
1: Yeah.
0: A lot of people think, well, I've come this far. I've come this far, and it's fucked up, and I, I don't see a point in changing now. Yeah. Uh, that happens a lot, you know, I, but I don't think uh, people realize it's never really too late to just get your shit together. It might not be perfect the way it could have been if you got your shit together 20 years sooner mm. or 30 years sooner, but you yeah. can still get your shit together and l- live a whole lot better for the time you do have left.
1: And there are plenty of examples of people who have reinvented themselves at an older age. So, so age is not, is not an excuse here. It's like, in. As a matter of fact, a lot of successful people reinvent themselves at you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. So that's, uh, that excuse doesn't hold weight uh, when, uh, when those examples are available.
0: Now, and I think it's a lot of uh, fear of change, a lot mm-hmm. of fear of, uh, like you said and we talked about earlier, uh, the fear of that introspection and time within your own head it's hard to admit you fucked up for fifty years straight. You know, I was I was thirty when I decided to get my to really get my shit together. I was thirty. Yeah. You know,
1: but that's a, that's a bitter pill to swallow. But
0: it needs to be. Oh, swallowed. it is. It's a real and it's big. You know. Yeah. <laughs> You you want to cut it up into chunks and take it a little bit at a time, but damn, it's it's bitter. It's it's a hard pill to swallow that everything's your fault. Mm. You know, and yeah, there is extenuating circumstances for those listening. I'm not talking about you know if you were abused or traumatized. Of course, those things aren't your fault.
1: Yeah,
0: but your reaction to them are the things that you can control. You can't change other people and you can't change what other people are going to say to you, what they're going to do to you, mm. but you can change and you can control how you react to it and the effect you let things happen and the effect that you let things have on you. You can, you can control those things. Yeah. And that's all about building your own personal frame that no matter what is going on, on the outside, you mean a true, a true North heading on your compass. You know, I think there's one thing back to the meditation. Mm. So I saw this cartoon of this Zen master. It was a little comic strip. And mm. there was this like, it looked like a Tibetan monk. He's in this robe, it's a mountaintop covered in snow. And it was, beautiful and serene. Yeah. And it said, this man is not Zen. And then right Mm. below it, there was a guy and he's sitting there in the exact same position, completely looking at peace. And it said, this man is Zen, but around him, the entire world was on fire. Mm. And the point was was that it's a lot easier to say that you're Zen and you've got it all under control when shit's going right.
1: Yeah,
0: versus when everything is falling around you. But the point was that the guy on the bottom who was surrounded by the entire world engulfed in flames, mm. he, he controlled his reaction to the world around him. And so that's yeah. what I mean when I, when I say that you can't always control the things that happen to you. And a lot of the things that happen to you are not your fault. Mm. But how you react to them and how you treat them and how you let them affect you is with, within your control. You just have to be strong enough or at least try to be strong enough to change how you let them affect you and how you react to them.
1: You have to be, you have to be the eye of the storm within every storm. There's an eye and that, that eye is very calm and, and serene. You So I think, I think that that's a certain, you can take a le- you can take some inspiration from, from nature there. Um, but, you know our most people aren't able to um, to handle the they don't have the maturity to handle that kind of, of responsibility and um, and just be able to sit back and observe observe everything that's going on like at a, at a certain point maturity is all about taking a step back from yourself and being able to observe your emotions thoughts beliefs without actually being
0: attached to them yeah, that's a big thing is when you get emotionally attached to your own ideas, because then you're going to defend them, even if they're terrible.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like, can you take that step back? Are you able to detach yourself and then um, respond after after doing so?
0: Yeah, and that's a, that's a, that's the key word. You're responding, not reacting. And you're looking at things mm-hmm. objectively versus subjectively.
1: Have you, uh, have you read the book Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? I love that book. Isn't that a great book?
0: That's a great I've, book. Uh, I, I'm almost I, I, done with it. I read that one. Yeah. And I paired it with listening to uh, Jordan Peterson's lectures on maps of meaning. If mm-hmm. you haven't heard those, you definitely need to check those out. I've
1: heard some of them. They, they're pretty lengthy, aren't they?
0: Yeah. They're very long. Uh, the audio is kind of crappy cause it was recorded in like a college auditorium. Yeah. But if you read Viktor Frankl's, uh, man's search for meaning and pair that and what you take from that with those lectures, mm. it lines up everything you and I've talked about today.
1: I think it's mandatory reading for everybody. Everybody has to read that book.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. We are coming up on the hour mark, and I think we've definitely been able to plant a seed in some people's minds about maybe they're not where they wanna be, and maybe they can start thinking about Mm -hmm. how to fix that. Um, Do you have something coming next? Uh, What are you working on now? I know you wrote uh, Mental Mastery, uh, and that's out there for sale right now, and I'll provide a link in the show notes. But what are you working on now? What's your next focus?
1: Now it's, it's really just, um, I want to think about what, what problem I could, I could help solve for other people. So I don't have anything in specific, but, uh, as with, you know, you come out with something with a new project and then I like to take my time a few months to think about what else I can do. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's, it's a matter of, I just want to provide value for people. I just want to make sure that I help people, um, genuinely offer new perspective uh, but from there it's really i'm not sure what i'm going to tackle it's it's going to take some uh, some thinking on my part
0: well that's good you don't want to go into anything uh, haphazardly especially if providing value to people is something you're interested in
1: yeah of, of course I'm, I'm a big believer in discipline i talk a lot about discipline on twitter and in other platforms as well but um, so probably it's probably going to have to do something with that but i want to i want to put a new twist to it. I don't want it, I don't want it to be like, you know, all of the conventional stuff about self-control and, and all that.
0: Right. Make it a little more applicable and uh, less of a platitude kind of feeling. I gotcha.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> How about yourself? You well, have anything new coming up?
0: Uh, right now I'm working on uh, my new ebook, uh, Leading Your Wife, A Man's Guide to Becoming a Patriarch. Um mm-hmm. It's going to see a lot of people are, are not liking the title. Uh, a lot of people think it's going to be very controversial, but you know, my whole, my, my whole stance on submission is submission is earned. It's not demanded through totalitarianism. Yeah. But uh, that one should be out in April actually. Okay. But I really appreciate you coming on Zaid.
1: No, of course, brother. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, you know, if you if you ever need anything from me or or want to discuss some new things like that, I'm, I'm open to everything. So it's good talking to you, my
0: man. Good talking to you too. And for those of you listening, if you want to connect with Zaid on Twitter, uh, I will provide his at and handle in the show notes, as well as a link to his ebook, Mental Mastery. Uh, for those who are listening at the time of this release, I believe is currently on sale. So if you're listening to this, so if you're listening to this early on, jump on that link and grab it while you can at a hell of a steal. Mm -hmm. This has been another episode of the rugged legacy podcast. Thank you all for joining. This is me and Zaid signing out. Take care. Thank you for listening to the rugged legacy podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the content on all of the episodes, especially this one here. If you'd like to become a contributor and support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm ruggedlegacy and click on the support icon. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.